Uh, today is Palm Sunday, and uh, this is a, a very important day on the Christian calendar in which we celebrate again, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> Christ coming to town, right? Christ coming to town. And uh, when I was thinking about this and praying about, you know, what are we, what are we going to talk about this week? What are we going to share? Uh, where are we going to go with this this week? Because we're, again, in the middle of a stories series, right? Um, and we actually started podcasting last week. It may be up online on iTunes by now. I don't know for sure, but we do have it on our website, and that'll be available this evening for you as well. Um, but we did start podcasting, so we're excited about that. Uh, so you'll get to hear last week's, and you'll get to hear everyone from here on out, whomever's speaking for the day. But when I was thinking about this, I was like, man, what, you know, what, what kind of way can we approach this? Because it's Palm Sunday, right? There's only but so many ways you can approach holidays in the church kind of thing, right? Or, or certain days within the calendar. And I was thinking about it and, and came to this point where it's like it's, it's one week notice. One week. One week notice. Some people call it the passion. Obviously, you've heard that before. Um, but it's just this one week notice in, in Christ's life where he says everything's going to change after this kind of thing. One week notice. Let me ask you this. What if, all right, journey with me here, all right, and it may be with your eyes open, but you're looking on the back of your eyelids or the back of your eyes, even if you are with me on this. What if you had one week to live, right? Imagine if you had a super aggressive cancer or something like that. I'm not speaking that over you. I'm not saying that or wanting you to think I'm dying because some people think they're dying anyways. You have friends like that, right? It's like they have the cold, a simple cold, and they're like, well, I probably need to go to the oncologist, um, because I feel like this is it. And it's like, you have a runny nose, okay? Sim, sim, all right? But what if you had one week to live? What if you knew that one week from now, you would be slipping into an eternity? What if you had one week to, to, just to, to finalize, to do whatever? What would you do? Who would you contact? Where would you go? Who would you see? Think about it that way. A lot of times, we don't like to think about those things. We don't like to think about death because it's finality. It's a place where we've never been, nor do we want to go because people don't typically come back from there, right? You know what I'm saying by that? Okay, we do know Jesus, and he's the man, all right? But most situations and circumstances when people die, they're not back the next day. They're not back three days later, okay? They're not back, okay? So where, where does your mind go if you only had one week to live? Who would you forgive, right? What kind of relationship would you repair? What would you do differently in one week? So today we find ourselves in that place one week prior to Jesus giving up his life once and for all. Palm Sunday, again, it's just one week before Jesus would die this gruesome death. And it's called the Passion Week, which I've already alluded to before. And what I want to do today is read the account of Palm Sunday from the Gospel of John. And we've been in the Gospel of John for the last uh, three weeks. And, and I love the Gospel of John for this reason, because you see John, a, a man that is just so in love with Jesus in the way that he wants to do anything he can. He wants to become less so that Christ can become more. He's that kind of guy. So we're just following in this Gospel for this point right now. Now, this is a story that does appear in all of the Gospels. So you know it's extremely important that every man's account was there, okay, and all four of them. Um, but this, uh, John, is, there's a lot of unique things which we've seen throughout the last few weeks. So this is what I want to do. I want you to read with me. You'll see the words on your screen. John 12, 12 through 15, okay? Uh, I'm going to read just that short per portion of Scripture, and then um, we're going to expound some things from there, and you'll, you'll understand in just a moment, okay? John 12, 12 through 15. The next day... 
the day after Jesus was spending time with his disciples and friends, including Lazarus. Obviously, that's not there because I'm giving you some background. Whom he raised from the dead at dinner. Okay, that was the day after. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast, Passover, celebrating the death, the death, uh, the time death passed over the people of Israel, right when they were in bondage in Egypt, heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna. Remember, we talked about that earlier, which means saves. He saves. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. There are so many different ways and so many different angles. You can look at this portion of Scripture and everything that's in it, and we could go on for days. All right? How many of you guys have ever heard Palm Sunday messages before? Raise your hand if you've ever heard one. Okay, so you've heard a lot, all right, if you've even heard one. But what I want to do is just give you a little bit of background and a little bit of understanding of the aspects of this portion of Scripture. This Sunday and its happenings, okay, um, are backed by prophecy, Okay? Simply a message that is spoken to an individual about future things. From Zechariah 9.9, where the word says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey, an unbroken donkey, one that had not been ridden before. Prophecy, okay? So something that was foretold in the past about that day. He speaks directly, Zechariah speaks directly to the way that Jesus would enter Jerusalem that day. Then you also see in Psalms 118, 25 through 26, the psalmist writes this, O Lord, save us. O Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. You think about this too as well. There's some symbolisms that you see with the donkey himself. Um, It symbolized an animal of peace. Okay, an animal of peace versus a horse, which represented an animal of war. See, the way that this kingdom was coming. Okay, are you with me? Are you following me on this? Are you trekking with me on the back of the donkey here? Okay, the way that this kingdom was forming was not one of force, like a horse that was coming in to fight, but a kingdom of peace. They didn't expect that, right? The people of Jerusalem were like, we want someone who will help us overcome. Someone that will set up a kingdom here where we can fight and be our own people kind of thing. They didn't expect this guy to come in on a lowly donkey. Someone that represented something that represented peace. Right? Later in the book of Revelation, John talks about him coming back on a white horse. So that's a different thing for a different time. All right? But for now, we see Jesus coming in. On the donkey. You see the palm branches. These types of branches signified triumph and victory in Roman culture. But understand this too later palm branches would become a symbol of death with Christian martyrs. So you see this Palm Sunday, and, uh, and they're laying these down before him as he comes in, crying out Hosanna, even throwing down their jackets and stuff because a king was coming to town, someone that would save them in their minds. It wasn't the way they expected, though. So what I'd like to do for us today is just take a quick journey, if you will. Go with me through the the rest of John. And we're going to read every single word of every single chapter. It's going to be great. Just just mark off the rest of your night. Just kidding, okay? Um, But we're going to take a journey. And what I want us to do is is we're going to pull little little examples of Jesus' teaching, basically his swan song, the things he wanted to leave with his disciples and those that followed him as he was leaving earth very soon because he knew his time had come. He knew that things were changing forever, and he knew that he had to leave something. He had to deposit some things into their lives. Otherwise, 
No telling what would happen, right? So we see Jesus be very deliberate with his teaching and very deliberate with his instruction on the future so that these guys can be the church that God wanted them to be. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Okay, so that's what we're going to do in just a moment. But we have to understand this verse, and you may have heard of this before. The Westminster Shorter Catechism states that man's chief end in life is to glorify God, which means to lift him up and praise him, and to enjoy him forever. Paul in Philippians 3, 10 through 11 takes it further, saying, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead that you see in the New Living Translation there. See, for us to really, really follow after him like the disciples did, we have to identify with him. And what I want us to do today is think this way. In our one-week notice, I want, as we lead, read over these last chapters in the book of John, which eventually does lead up to the death of Jesus, um, I, I want us to, to, uh, to examine and see this reoccurring theme that happens. And it comes out of these conversations that Jesus has with his disciples. And this is, this is in essence, what he's saying. If you want to be like me, right? If you want to identify with me, ellipsis, you, and then he fills in the blank, right? So what I want us to do is take a look at some of those ways that Jesus says, if you want to be like me, guys, this is what has to happen. If you want to follow my footsteps kind of thing, this is what has to happen. This is my one-week notice. First thing Jesus says is this. If you really want to be like me, if you really want to be like Jesus, you must die to self. You must die to self. Chapter 12, verse 25. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. You're thinking, okay, I didn't have any Kool-Aid this morning, did I, when I came in? I'm not drinking the punch here. They didn't give out the, uh, the silver jumpsuits for the, the uh, solar flare to happen that'll take us up in the... Look, we're not a cult. I'm not telling you that you're going to come here and just be like, oh, and die. That's not what I'm talking about here. You're like, oh, man, wrong church, okay? No, we're not, <laughs> we're not trying to get you to drink the juice, okay? We're not trying to get you... Although communion is coming soon, all right? Um, but it'll be good juice, all right? Um, but it's this, it's this idea, like Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. When Christ says, follow me, he's saying, look, you've got to die to self so that I may live through you, that I may do amazing things through you. Do you understand that God has plans for your life? I think sometimes we discredit that because what we do is we look to our left or our right and we say, well, God probably has plans for them. Look at them. They look amazing. They're, they're actually wearing a red Ask Me shirt. They must be legit up in this place. So they, they've got plans, but I don't. I don't know what God wants to do with me. I don't think he has any. I don't think he's thought about me for years. That's a lie. Before, since before you were born in the womb, he was dreaming about your life. But for those dreams to be realized, he bids us come and die. Come and die so that he may be living through us. That's his idea. The second thing, if you really want to be like Jesus... Listen to me here. Rob, I don't know where he's in the hallway. I see him coming. Don't worry, you're not getting called on stage. But if you really want to be like Jesus, you must learn to serve. You must learn to serve. Do you remember that, uh, that point where Jesus washes his disciples' feet? Maybe you haven't heard the story before. Maybe you have. 
Um, but Jesus is having a meal with his friends, the Passover feast, and he knew that it was his time. This takes place in chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. He knew that it was his time to die, and he wanted to show them a lesson. He said, I want to prove something to you. Now, look, you got to understand biblical times. They walked around in sandals that were nasty. You know how summer gets, right? <sighs> Wash your feet, please, okay? Feet are nasty. But even worse over there, wildlife always up in the middle of the street, and you're walking down with your sandals through the street. Things happen with wildlife, if you know what I mean. You've got dirty feet. So typically when you come up into a house, the servant would wash your feet. He'd wash your feet. So you see Jesus, you get the picture of Jesus reclining at the table, hanging out with his disciples, and all of a sudden he gets up. He gets up from his seat, and they're thinking, what are you doing? You're like the guest. You're Jesus, man. I left everything to follow you. What are you doing now? Teaching you how to follow me. He gets up. He takes off his outer garment. He takes off his robe, and then he ties a towel basically around his waist, and he begins to wash their feet. How many of you guys hate feet? Come on, be honest. <sighs> Thank God you have beautiful feet. It could have been a hard marriage. I'm kidding. Thank God. Jesus gets up. And dude's feet on top of that. Y'all got to do something, fellas. Do something. That's gross, okay? You're going to go this summer to the beach, and you, you guys are just going to vomit the whole time now because we talked about feet so much. That might be what all you remember from today, but be a servant, okay? So all of a sudden, though, he gets up. And he goes to wash these guys' feet. He's showing them, if you want to be like me, you got to stay low. you got to serve. you got to be humble. If you want to be like me in this one week notice time, this week of my passion and the things that I want to deposit in your life, you got to know what it means to serve. Are you with me? Okay. I'm not keeping you forever today. You're going to love it. If you really want to be like Jesus, listen to this. You have to trust in God. You're thinking like, Jesus is God, Holy Spirit, try you. Listen to me here. Chapter 14, verse 1, and then verses 12 through 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Jesus is telling them, okay, trust in God and trust in me. So he's saying, look, it's not just about trusting me, but it's about trusting him as well. And listen to this. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these. This is what excites me about the church today. Do you hear me on this? I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may be, bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. But he points to the beginning. Again, I'm going to the Father. you got to trust him. You have to trust him. Look what I've done. You're going to do greater things if you trust him. Is it hard to trust people? Anybody? Right? I've got a problem sometimes. I'm like a type A in certain ways where I have to do everything. Rob, can I get an amen? Okay? He understands my struggle. The struggle is real. Okay? But here's the deal. Here's the deal. If I don't give things away, if I don't trust people, they won't become what God's intended them to be. But if we don't trust God, we won't become what God's intended for us to be. He, again, has plans for your life, but also he has plans for you to do even greater things 
than Jesus did. Think about that. Think about that. I did a lot this week. And I was thinking about, okay, greater things. I don't get it completely. I don't understand how we who are 100% man can do greater things than the person that was 100% man and 100% God did. Does that ever puzzle you? Do you ever lose sleep over those kinds of things? Sometimes I do. You're like, well, you better because you're a pastor and you better bring it, okay? Because I come here for some meat, all right? I don't want milk. I want some steak. I want some filet. You don't need the sauce if it's that good. Can I get some? Mm-hmm. Okay. But I think about it, and, and, and this is where I came to this place, and I don't know if I'm right, all right? You can correct me later if so. Just don't yell out heresy or whatever. Not today. Um, next week. So I think the reason behind this is Jesus was one person. Think about it. He was one person that did amazing miracles and things like that. We did see instances in the Bible where he told the disciples, now you go do it too, right? And how many of them were there? Twelve, depending upon what time of year it was, okay? They lost one. But we watched them do amazing things together, right? Are you with me? Are you following me? But when he calls us the priesthood of the believers, he calls us the church. All of a sudden, that same power is spread wide in all different places around the world. Does this, does this make sense in your mind a little bit? Because I was trying to make sense of it. When I read scripture, I want to understand what I'm reading. Right? Is anybody with me on that? Or are you just like, no, nope, just drink the juice. Keep going through the day. You got to work this thing out. It's your salvation. But I think his reasoning behind it was this, that he wants every single one of you to do greater things. It's not just reserved for the pastor, for the leadership. It's for the church. Think about that. Does that make sense a little bit? That's in my little pea brain, that's how it just came out. But I think it makes sense for us today, collectively, right? That he wants to do greater things because he wants to do it in every single individual. How will it happen? When you trust him. But also, if you really want to be like him, you need the Holy Spirit. This throws a whole other wrench in the plans for people that weren't raised around a, a Trinity-style church, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You're thinking, why do I need the Holy Spirit? Isn't that a package deal? When I get saved, it's like Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And you're like, powered up, good to go. Salvation, done. There's more, okay? And Jesus, again, in his swan song, his one-week notice, him talking to his disciples, said this, and listen with me. Chapter 14, 15 through 18 are the verses in 26, 27. He says this, if you love me, you will obey what I command and I will ask the father and he will give you another counselor. Hear this, listen to me. He will give you another counselor. Remember, Jesus saying, I'm gonna be gone soon. You're gonna be on your own, but I'm gonna give you another counselor to be with you forever. Listen to who Jesus calls him and how he identifies the Holy Spirit. He says, the spirit of truth. Think about that. There's so many lies swirling around you every single day. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. Okay, you're not pretty enough. You're not handsome enough. You're not talented enough. Um, you don't have the nicest car. You don't have the best house. You don't have kids. You don't have, okay, all these kinds of lies that define you, okay, define you and your perception of who you are. But he says, I'm going to give you something. Someone's coming that's going to be with you, a counselor, Someone that's going to make you help when you're all by yourself. There's sometimes, okay, 
Kara, I'll talk, baby, what do you think about this? Am I off base? You're totally off base. And I say, you're right, because 95% of the time she is, okay? And the other five, you just don't talk about it. I'm kidding. But I'll ask her, am I off on this? She helps me see where I'm off as a, as a friend, as my wife, as, my, as a counselor in my life, if you think about it. The Holy Spirit, his purpose and his job is to help you not be a fool and think you're crazy. You're not crazy all the time. You're not crazy. He's there with you and he'll tell you the truth, the spirit of truth. The enemy, he's filled with lies. He'll tell you every single, and I just covered some. Your lie may look different. Jesus is saying, look, you need the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth to help you. (coughs) Excuse me. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Verses 26 and 27. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you every day, excuse me, remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace. Peace. Remember, he rode in on a donkey, not a horse. Peace. He comes as the Prince of Peace. Peace. Maybe you need to hear that again. Peace. Did your mind flood with all the things that cause angst in your life? Are you with me? Peace. You're like, why are you talking about this so long? Because a lot of a lot of us need it. Peace. You're like, we live in West Virginia. It's way better than you had lived in Baltimore and all the craziness. Amen. But peace. Peace. I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give give to you as the world gives. Don't. Let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The Holy Spirit will help you in so many ways that you don't even understand. And a lot of times we just put in, you know, we, well, he's not around anymore. It's just Jesus is gone and I don't know. I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm trying my very best. But the Holy Spirit will help you. That's what he does. Trust me. Some of the decisions and the things that we've made even come in here. If we were not led by the Holy Spirit, it wouldn't have happened. You see it in history of of the Bible. You see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You see him as the creator. You see him as the sacrifice. You see him as the sustainer, the counselor, the Holy Spirit. He's here for you. He loves you. Pray Pray to him. Say, Holy Spirit, help me in this way. Show me what's right. You said you'd be with me. You tell me truth. Show me which way I am to go. Convict me if if my attitude's wrong. Help me to to talk to the right person as I walk down the street to share my story. The Holy Spirit is here for you, and he wants to help you. Jesus says this as well. If you really want to be like me, if you want to be like Jesus, you have to stay connected to him. This is, again, one of my favorite. I know I say that a lot, but this actually is one of my favorite portions of Scripture. Chapter 15 of John, verses 1 through 2, verse 5, and then 7 and 8. But you can read the whole story on your own. But listen to me on this. This is what Jesus said. He says, I am the vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. He says in in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
verse 7 and 8. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. How many of you guys like to garden? Do you like to grow stuff? Legal stuff? Anybody? Never know. Things are changing. (laughs) There's a market, I'm sure. But growing up, we grew up in Virginia, you know, and uh, Pat, you told me about your gardening skills. I know about this. He told me even Friday night how they, were, they planted a garden the first year they were married. He was telling me about it, and, and it was May, right, you said? It was near Easter, I think, is what it was. And he came outside, and, and, and three-quarters of the growth was covered with snow, okay? That's West Virginia problems there, okay? Typically, down where we were at, we didn't have those kinds of problems all the time. But there was something, there's something that just fascinates me with this thing where you, you drop a seed in the ground, right, and it begins to die, right, and then comes back to life with the fruit, right, with the, the, uh, uh, the vegetable, with the flower, with the whatever down the road. Just, have you seen it lately, these bulbs that have been popping up, all the shoots of things the last week? It's amazing to see this growth that just happens because the gardener's taking care of it. He says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. We're grafted into the vine. We're, we're a part of him. His DNA is ours. We are, we are in with him. But the thing is this, if we are detached from him, we can't do anything. We're nothing. What happens? You've seen it before. Anybody, when you're weeding that garden, as soon as you cut those things out, you throw them to the side, they begin to die because they're not connected to a source of life. Jesus is saying, look, you have to remain in me. And here's the deal. You remain in me. You spend time with me. I'll remain in you. I'm going to be with you to the very end because I'm never going to leave you and I'm never going to forsake you. Right? This is the kind of God we serve. So much, so much love that he has in his heart for us. Again, that he sent his only begotten son. Right? So that we can live with him forever. That we may be able to not just remain here on earth, but in eternity with him forever. Jesus is like, guys, here's the deal. I'm not going to be here, but you have to stay focused on what I've told you. You have to remain in this type of relationship with me through the Holy Spirit. Isn't that crazy? It's amazing, I think, when you read it in that way, where Jesus is doing regular life in his last week, and he's given these guys, you remember his swan song, his one-week notice of how things are going to change. We're going to have our worship team come up. And uh, we're, we're going to sing one last song here in just a few moments. But I, I want to encourage you with how uh, John concludes, not the whole book, because there's still more, but chapter 17, with a heartfelt prayer that Jesus prayed to his heavenly Father, verses 20 through 25. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are one in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, listen, he's he's talking to them. This is that prayer thing, being connected to the Father. He said, Father, 
I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. He says, Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know you, excuse me, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Jesus is showing these guys, look, it's a genealogy. It's a starting point that started with God into my life and now into yours and then to all of us for all these generations to come. You are his shining example. If you want, you can just place off if you don't mind. You are his shining example of what's to come. See, people will know who he is by how they know you. Think about it. That's what he said. He said, people will know you by how much you reflect me, how much you love me, and how much you love them. That was the goal. That was the plan. That was the purpose. That's why you're alive. See, here's the thing. The Jewish folk of the time were expecting this uprising, right? They were expecting this great warrior to come. This warrior to come and just to fight the enemy with, with sword, right? And with miraculous power as well. They weren't expecting a lowly servant. Here's the thing. You've probably expected things a little differently from God, haven't you? You've had expectations. One of the best things I ever received was a, a counseling layout from Pastor Ted, the one who did the, the uh, dedication. And the key to that premarital counseling layout, and Jen knows all about this because she helps write them up every time. It's his administrative assistant. The key word that you find there is expectation. Think about your life and your relationships and how much has risen and, and how much has fallen because of expectation. Well, I thought, well, it was supposed to. Well, this is not what I thought was going to happen at all. Well, I expect. Here's the thing. Things may not be the way you've expected. When you see this list even, you're like, I don't know if I can do all that. And one thing may have really hit you hard today. But what I want you to do is change the expectation to this. God, whatever you want to do and however you want to do it. I'm flexible. I've seen your one-week notice. I've seen the things that you've listed. And whatever you want, I'm game. It's not about me. It's about you. It's about you. And about you being realized in other people's lives through me. I'm game. Whatever, God, I'm game. That's what it's about. So maybe your, your things here... <laughs> are similar to what Jesus was talking about, how to struggle maybe to die to self or that you know service is not on the top of your list. You'd rather just go and do your own thing or trust, oh, it's a big issue. You don't quite get the whole Holy Spirit thing or the necessity and understanding Him, but you know something kind of left within your chest a little bit or you felt something a little different where you're like, that makes sense, but doesn't, I don't know. 
Or maybe you haven't stayed connected. Or maybe it's whatever God's put in your heart during the service. But this is what I want you to do, okay? First, I want you to stand. Okay, you can stand. It's not, it's not bad, don't worry. Nobody's going to come behind you and pull your feet out, you know? It's like, gotcha! It's not that kind of church, okay? We do that on Fridays, not Sundays. Come to Connect Group. But what I want you to do, and this, this might be a little weird or whatever, but just close your eyes. You may not be used to this. Close your eyes. Again, nobody's going to punch you in the forehead now. It's not one of those kind of tricks. None of that. Just close your eyes and close yourself in with God. There may, there may have been some things that he kind of put in your spirit where you're like, I probably should work on that. Um, I, I probably need to focus on that a little bit. I probably need to tend to this issue in my life. If you see that on the back of your eyelids now, I want you to, to say it not out loud, but before God. Okay? Because you're identifying. And what you're doing now is you're setting an expectation. You're, you're setting an issue of agreement where you, you've come to this place together, you and God, and this is something that you want to work on. If you feel like this is you, okay, one of the things we want to do is just gauge where you're at. If you feel like you, you may have applied here somewhere, like it was something that, that was significant, just look at me real quick. Real quick, just take a look. I'm looking back at you because I'm there. About seven out of ten of these bad boys, because there's a whole nother list. Okay, you're with me. Close your eyes. Now, what I want you to do is talk to God about it right now. You don't have to necessarily sing the words that are on the screen when you hear the song play, but this is a, a moment of change in your life. This isn't about some some spiritual high. This isn't about you know, some we're hoaxing you into something or tricking you or no, this is you and God with relationship moving forward. This is real. Because you know how we roll. If it can't happen out there every day, it can't happen here on Sunday. Okay? So whatever he's put in your heart, whatever the Holy Spirit, the counselor, the one who guides you, the one he's led you to something, talk to God about it. I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to believe that as we pray, things will change. Because remember, he said you will do greater things. I value what the word says and I believe it. So right now, he's going to do greater things in your life than you expect. And he's going to enable you through the Holy Spirit to do even greater things. He's going to empower you to make a difference. He's going to help you to deal with your life so that you can help others deal with theirs. And it's going to be real. It's going to be relevant. It'll be sustainable. And it will happen every day because that's how God works. It's not about the spiritual high Sunday. It's about regular life every day with him, including Sunday. So God, right now, we have populated maybe at least one thing, but maybe more in our mind where we know that we need work. God, that's okay. Lord, you know me, Justin Myers. You know my heart. You know how messed up I am sometimes, how I, I don't perceive things the right way, how I, I get my feelings hurt, or, or how I'm just a hot mess sometimes. And you love me still the same. And you've, you've given me this calling to lead people to you. 
So God, we're all on the same level here. We need you. We have to determine the relationship with you right now. We have to to set our expectations, to set our desires, to, to circle the prayers and the dreams and those things we have before you, God. We've made eye contact here on earth, God, and you've made heart contact with us there in heaven, and you want to change things. So God, maybe for some, it's the initial relationship with you. That I've never, I've never had a relationship with Jesus. I've, I've heard about who he is, what he did, and this passion week, and this crucifixion, and all these kind of things I don't quite get. But today, something jumped with inside, inside of my life, and I feel like I have to act. I have to do something. I feel like I need to initiate a relationship. If that's you, it's not that difficult to say, God, forgive me of my sins. I accept what Jesus did on the cross, how he died for them and took them away, and I accept relationship with you. Maybe for some it's a rededication of their lives. This one week notice struck a nerve that what would I do differently? How would I push all the chips in and live into a greater measure for you, God? Maybe it's that. You just say, God, here I am. Let's start again. Or maybe there's some other disconnects. Trust and serving and dying to self and those things that we've talked about. God, you know our hearts and you love us. We thank you for it.